0: Uh, that I always feared when I went into class you know when I was in elementary school or in middle school or high school was when the teacher said okay take out a piece of paper and a pen and we were going to have a test on the homework that I didn't do the night before so well, we're going to start out on a test uh, with you today all right but before we do that I just want to mention too that we're going on a field trip today all right We're going to go, we're going to finish the service actually in the the worship center, all right? So I hope you're ready to do that because that'll be good as well. So stay awake. If you fall asleep, we're not going to wake you up. We're just going to leave, and you're just going to be sitting here wondering what happened. All right, here's here's the quiz, okay? Relax. This is an easy one. This is really opinions. But which of these circumstances would give you the greatest joy, okay? We're studying the book of Philippians, and it's on the theme of Philippians is joy. Now, which of these four would give you the greatest potential for joy? All right, number one, you inherit a million dollars. Number two, your house gets washed away by a flood. Three, you get fired. Four, you get a note from the bank saying someone paid off your mortgage and you are debt free. Okay. Now, which of those would give you the greatest potential for joy? Now, let's be honest. Most of us would go for number one or number four, right? But that's wrong, okay? The correct answer is all four. Now, if I was a TV preacher and you heard me say that, you would say, that guy's an idiot, and you would flip the channel to reruns of Gilligan's Island, all right? We'd all vote for number one or number four. But if you're wise, you know that joy is not based on circumstances. It's certainly not based on perfect circumstances. And it's not based on perfect people around us who don't cause any problems. If joy was based on those two things, perfect circumstances, perfect people, then you would never have joy. Because no one's perfect, and life certainly is not. One and four, they'd probably bring the immediate joy to us all. That'd be the, the thing we'd be most excited about and thankful for. But what about number two and three? You know, those actually could bring more joy to you in the long run. If your house was destroyed, you might end up with a better house, a newer house. If you got fired from a job, you probably weren't a good match in that anyway, okay? And you might get a better job that really is more suited to you and would give you joy throughout your life. So you see, it's not just good things happening to us all the time. Joy. We don't get real joy from perfect circumstances or perfect people because there aren't any. As we've seen, we get real joy, long-lasting joy, eternal joy from God. Because he's perfect. And he wants to give us his joy. Now, in the book of Acts, we come, we meet a man's name is Saul, and this was a guy who the world would think he had everything. You know, everything that would make us happy. He he was wealthy. Uh, He had a great education. He had fame, position. He was one of the most admired men in all of Israel. He had all that, and he was miserable. Then he met Jesus, and Jesus gave Saul a new name, Paul. He gave him a new joy that the world couldn't give him and that the world couldn't take away from him. And that's where Paul was. He was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians. And we're looking at the last half of chapter 1 today, and we start at verse 12. And Paul writes this, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened for me, me sitting here in prison, it's all helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And, I mean, and the question comes you know, how could a guy that's in prison chained to a guard? He was literally chained to guards, okay? How could a man like that, who was falsely accused, falsely arrested, falsely imprisoned, how could he have joy with those circumstances? We've talked about the fact that the things that we think will bring us joy, they often don't. And and the things that we don't think would give us joy often do. And Philippians chapter 1 tells us about five joy givers, and they wouldn't make your top ten list. If I actually write down the, the ten things that bring the most joy to you, I don't think these would be on them, but we're going to look at them here today. And the first one is this. You get joy when you know God is sovereign over everything that happens in your life. You see, we really can have joy, even in the bad times, if we really believe God's promise to work all things together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. If we really believe that, that that changes everything. If if we really believe that, then, then we just don't gripe about all the bad things. We have joy because we know God promised to turn those things together for good. If we want to live out, his purpose is for us. That's how Paul could have joy in prison. And it was in prison that two great things happened that Paul had not planned on, never envisioned or imagined, but two of the greatest things in his life. And the first one is that he wrote letters. He wrote letters to, Christ, to churches to encourage them, to build them up. Seven of those letters God put in, his, in the New Testament. He probably wouldn't have written those letters if he had not been in prison. When he wasn't writing letters, what was he doing? He was sharing Christ with those guards to whom he was chained. You you couldn't be around Paul without him telling you about Jesus Christ. And Paul had this captive audience. These guards that were... They were probably on a four-hour watch, chained to Paul for four hours. And so what did Paul talk about? Did he talk about the weather? Did he talk about sports? Did he talk about politics? No, he talked about Jesus. And we know that many of those guards turned to Jesus Christ. Why? They saw Paul's joy even in the midst of their, the circumstances they knew were not right. Now, some of you know uh, from history that uh, emperor, Nero was the emperor at this time, and we all know Nero's uh, reputation. Did you know that he had his, his wife and his mother-in-law killed? They were put to death. They were executed. Why? Because they burned the toast? No, because they became Christ followers. They became Christ followers. Now, how did they become Christ followers? Well, you see, it was who was Paul chained to? The palace guards. They, they just didn't guard prisoners. They also had security for the whole palace for 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 Nero and all his family and all his servants. It was probably them that shared Christ with uh, with uh, Nero's wife and mother-in-law. And it's. We know that uh, many of those palace guards who were elite soldiers, who were very faithful, who were very accomplished, many of them got promoted, and they got promoted to be ambassadors to other countries in the Roman Empire. What did they do? Having embraced Christ, they took their faith in Christ with them, and they spread the good news. And Christianity spread like wildfire in that first and second century. In less than 200 years, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. Why? Because Paul was in prison. He wasn't griping about his suffering. He was sharing Jesus Christ with his persecutors. Now, it wasn't Paul's plan to go to prison, that's for sure. Paul had a plan. He, he wrote about it in the book of Romans. He said he wanted to go preach in Rome, and also then he wanted to go on to Spain and preach there also. So he had this plan, he, he this great plan. That he wanted to preach Jesus Christ in these two countries. But God had a much bigger and better plan than that. God's plan was for Paul to preach the gospel in every country in the Roman Empire, not just two, every country. And that's what happened. Do you want joy if you do you have probably got a plan how you think you'll achieve that or how you'll get that joy but you know what your plan to get joy is probably way too small God has a bigger plan God has a better plan God wants to work in your life and do things that you can't imagine or conceive of you see our plans are like okay get rich you know get a new house get a car new car get a promotion retire those are the things that are going to give me joy no no they won't They can't really satisfy the deepest part of you your being jesus can he did that for paul in prison and he can do that for you in the prison of your job or your family or whatever circumstances You think are robbing you of joy. Paul goes on in verse 14. He says, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here in Rome have gained confidence and now they are boldly speaking God's message without fear. Because of Paul's courage to share Christ, most of the Christians around him, they were emboldened to do that too. And that's the second thing. They probably we wouldn't have made your top ten for, for giving you joy. But you get joy when you carry out your God-given mission. And what's your God-given mission as a Christian? Jesus said, it's to be my witnesses. That's the greatest thing you can do. That is the last command that he gave to us as his followers. Be my witnesses. And the good news spread. Because Christians in the first century, they were carrying out their mission. And friend, that's our mission too. That is our God-given life mission. (laughs) Uh, People today in our world, they're coming out of the closet. They're sharing their secret. You know, the sad truth is many Christians are in the closet. They're keeping their Christianity a secret. They don't talk to anybody about it. Why? Fear. And I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, I had those, I had those same fears, and I still have those fears. Share Christ with that person? No, they'll think I'm weird. No, they'll think I'm one of those religious fanatics. No, they're not interested. No, I'm afraid to do that. Don't let your fear keep you from the joy. Now, we know that's true. There are things that we're afraid to do, but then when we do them, man, it's the most amazing thing. I, I wanted to ask Donna out, when I was in college. And the night I had planned to do it, I actually I thought she might be at the basketball game, so I went, and lo and behold, she was sitting with another guy. And I thought, well... No, this isn't going to work. And I was afraid. But I decided, I'm going to do it. And I did. And she accepted. The thing is, she uh, had a detached retina when she was 12 years old, and so her vision is a a bit (laughs) impaired. So that's been to my advantage. (laughs) I'm so glad I didn't let my fear keep me From asking her out. And we've had 45 years of joy. Don't let your fear, your fear of sharing Christ with others, keep you from one of the greatest joys that you will ever experience here on earth being my witnesses. Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back to take us to heaven. Why hasn't He come yet? I mean, we think the world's in terrible shape. Why hasn't Jesus Christ come? It's been 2,000 years. Why hasn't he come back? The Bible tells us because he's not willing that anyone should perish, right? There's still people that are going to embrace him as their Savior and their Lord. Your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates. That's why he hasn't come back. Are we going to share the good news with them? Oh, don't. Don't let that fear keep someone shared Christ with you. Who are you sharing Christ with? Verse verse 15, he goes on. It's true. Paul heard something. It's true. I've heard that some are preaching. While I'm here in prison, some are preaching Christ. But they're doing it out of jealousy and rivalry. But others preach Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. But those others who do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ, they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely. They intend to make my change more painful to me. What's he saying? He's saying, yeah, there there are some preachers that aren't preaching with pure motives, But that doesn't matter, he says in verse 18. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached. And so what? I rejoice. See, you want joy? Then be a part of preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. I rejoice and I will continue. Yeah, Paul knew some preachers were preaching the good news of Jesus and their motives weren't right. Some of them were glad that Paul was in prison. Now, why? Well, maybe now because they thought, well, the crowds will come to hear me instead of going to hear him. I don't know. Some were preaching because they loved the attention. Some were preaching probably because they loved money. They were what we call shysters, right? We have them in our day too, don't we? Of course. That's very sad. But here's what's more sad. Many Christians spend all their time criticizing those who are telling others about Christ in a way they don't like. But they're not spending any time doing it themselves. D.L. Moody may be the man who is responsible for more people coming to Christ than any other. He just had an evangelistic heart. And he won thousands to Christ through his ministry and then set up these ministries that continue to do that to this day. And D.L. Moody was kind of a maverick. He was criticized by many Christians because he would do just about anything to draw a crowd so that he could tell them about Jesus. And a lot of Christians said, that's not right. You can't do it that way. But when fellow Christians criticize the way that D.L. Moody shared Christ, he'd say to them, well, I like the way I share Christ better than the way you don't. You know, it really bothers me the way that we Christians criticize and judge each other. Instead of spending our passion and effort and energy to bring others to Christ who don't know him. Did Paul criticize? No. Because number one, we're not the judge. We don't really know the motives of people that we judge. God does. But here's the second thing. Judging kills our joy. Judging kills our joy. It's not our job. And that's why Paul could say, I'm not going to judge those people. And that's why he says in verse 18, I rejoice. Okay, some of them have bad motives. I rejoice. Why? Because Christ is preached and I'll keep on rejoicing. Paul didn't didn't spend his time judging. He spent his time sharing the good news with non-Christians. Verse 19, for I know, he writes, that as you pray for me, And the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. This will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I'll never be ashamed, but that I'll continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I want my life, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying, that's even better. Paul's saying, I have joy. I'm in prison, but I have joy because I'm here for Christ and God is using me. And when I die, I'll have even greater joy because I go to be with Jesus. That's number three. You get joy. When you know if you live for Christ, whatever happens, you can't lose. You know if you live for Christ, whatever happens, you can't lose. Verse 19, Paul said he was sure he was going to be delivered from prison. Now, how did he know he was going to be delivered? He didn't know that. In fact, we don't even know if he was delivered from prison or not, all right? But he said, I'm sure I'm going to be delivered. How could he be so sure that he was going to be released? Because he knew if he was released from prison when he was alive, he'd he'd have joy. But he also knew if he died in that prison, he'd have joy too. In fact, he'd actually have greater joy because he'd go to be with Jesus in heaven. God's word says that perfect love casts out fear. And we all fear death. We all fear death. But my friend, if we really love Jesus, if we really love Jesus and want to be with him, our love for him can become greater than our fear of death. And we can experience joy even in that because whatever happens in christ we can't lose verse 21 that's what that's what he says for me to live is christ and to die is gain paul said i can't lose either way if i live for christ i can do more to carry out my god-given mission but if i die for christ i get to go to be with him forever and that is the greatest joy of all. You get joy when you know if you live for Christ, whatever happens, you can't lose. verse twenty two But if I do go on living, he writes, I can be I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So <laughs> I really don't know which is better. I'm torn. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which, is, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. And knowing this, I'm convinced that I'm going to remain alive for a little while longer. So I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. You see, Paul is saying, you know, I really do desire to go and be with Christ. But I think he's telling me that he wants me to remain for you. That he wants me to serve you. And that's the fourth thing. You get joy when you serve others. And you see, that wouldn't make our top ten. What would give you joy? Number one, be a servant. It wouldn't make it. But you get joy when you serve others. Why? Why? Serving others is the only way you can keep from being self-consumed. If you don't serve others, your total focus, energy, life revolves around me. Serving others, we don't become self-absorbed and self-consumed. Self-consumed people lose their joy. And number five, you get joy when you share the good news of Jesus. You know, God has so made us and then made us in Christ Jesus so that when we tell others about his son, God fills us with joy. That's our mission. That's our calling here. That's the greatest privilege and responsibility that we have. To be my witnesses, to share the good news with others. And when we don't share that good news, and we keep it to ourselves, we lose our joy. Because that's what God created us to do. That's what God called us to do. That's what God created commands us to do that's what god empowers us to do that's what god brings us together in the body of christ to do to make jesus christ now now i know for a lot of us <laughs> what's our response we think telling someone about jesus that wouldn't give us joy it'd give us cardiac arrest I know, friend, because I certainly was that way as a teenager, as a young person, as a college student. I was in a Christian college preparing for ministry, afraid, terrified to tell others about Jesus. I joined the gospel team because I knew I would have to. It's one of the greatest things I ever did. I wanted God to take away that fear. Well, I still have fears. I still wonder, oh no, I'm afraid what that person might think of me if I, if I share Christ with them. Don't let your fear of what you think others may think of you paralyze you from your life mission, paralyze you from spreading the good news, paralyze you, keep you from helping someone. Not to perish. Not to go to a Christless eternity. Separated from God and everything good forever and ever and ever. You know, we don't think about that much. That that person that, that God put in our path, that if they don't have Christ, they go to a Christless eternity. They're separated from God and anything good. That's what God's word says. But it's a reality. And God asks us to take our, up our mission. And be his witnesses. We always talk here on Sunday morning about our next step. God didn't give us his word, you know, so we would just study it. So we'd just talk about it. So we would just outline it. So we'd just fill in the blanks on it. So that we'd go home and forget about it. God gave us his word so we'd live it. So we take that next step that God has for us. For some of you today, your next step is somebody God is going to lay on you your heart somebody that you really love and care about and you don't want to see go to a crisis eternity and you're going to start praying and you're going to do something I don't know what your next step is but that's what God asks us to do and so would you bow with me in prayer right now father thank you your son Jesus Christ stepped off the throne in heaven where he was adored And came down to earth where he would be rejected, mocked, crucified. And he did it because he loves us. He did it because he wants to forgive all of our sin and take us to God's heaven forever and ever. God, we know the good news. God, help us to share it. God, show us the steps you want us to. And, Lord, you'll help us in that. And, dear friend, today, are you absolutely sure you're going to heaven? Was there a day when you looked up in the face of God and said, I know I'm a sinner and I need your son Jesus as my Savior? If you've never done that, that's why God brought you here today. Because God loves you. God wants you in His heaven. God gave you a Savior. Embrace him today. So, dear Father, as the body of Christ, We want to carry out our mission. We don't want to be a church that just entertains itself, that just fellowships with each other. We have a mission to spread the good news of Jesus Christ so that others may come to know him. And God, may we do that for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Finished a little early so we can take our field trip. Can i just give you a few instructions. Number one, we decided we're not taking children over there, okay? So don't go up and get the kids because it is a construction site and there are some things that could be dangerous. And when I was a kid, I crawled under the pews and that would not be a good thing at this point. So it's just for adults this time, all right? Uh, Just go the other building when you enter in the back door and you'll see as you're going to go to the right and you go around then you're also going to see uh, containers with white chalk we want everybody to take a piece of white chalk okay now please don't get coffee please don't start other conversations if you're planning on getting over there because we still want to get you out about the same time so I would ask you to go rather quickly okay And then we'll meet over there and finish up our service today. All right? I'm excited. Let me see. I think that's it. All we need to uh, say here. See you over there in about two minutes. Okay?